So we're in Peter. We're in Peter, and it is Mom's Day, and so we're going to, Peter just happens to hit on a passage of Scripture, and uh, we're going to get to in chapter 3, if you want to flip there, but uh, so far, Peter's been, been hitting us, you know, with lots of good truth, right, about Christian living, and uh, things that are really important for us as Christians, as we live on this earth, as we walk on this earth, and uh, he's been saying things like, um, in Jesus... When we come into Christ as believers, we have, there's some things that we have and some things that we must think about as we live. And he says, first of all, you have this new birth and this living hope, which we all say what to? Amen for that, right? Thank God for that. That we have a new birth into a living hope. I mean, that is like, that takes care of everything. Everything else, everything else is small compared to the new birth and the living hope that is ours forever in Christ. Um, that just says it all. That takes care of so much. And then he, he challenges us to be holy. Why? Because he is holy, right? Be holy because I am holy. And then Peter calls us to keep our eyes on and follow the original living stone, right? Jesus, who is the living stone. Right? He's the one, not a dead stone. He's alive and he's well. He's gone through the back of the grave. He's alive and well after death. And he is our living Savior and therefore our living rock. He's our living stone. And then Peter challenged us all to do good, to live a life of doing good. And the reason for that is that others would see God living in us, right? That, that we become a reflection of his goodness toward us, that we carry on the goodness and the grace of God through our lives, through the way we walk and the things we say and the way we interact. And then last week we saw Peter say in chapter 3, verse 7, man up, right? To all us guys, he says, man up, right? Husbands, man up. And that's young boys who are not yet husbands. Maybe one day we'll be a husband if you're lucky. Uh, but man up, whether you're a husband or a guy, just man up, right? And there's so much good stuff there. Well, it's, it is Mom's Day, and so Peter has a word for all the ladies in the house. Let me hear all the ladies in the house go, whoop, whoop. There you go, all right, we got some ladies in the house. <laughs> and here's the word, the word that Peter has for you is so powerful. It, it is so good. It's in chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. You, you, you might want to get a little head start and just kind of looking at that. But, but the title of this message is this, Preach Your Silent Sermon. It's a powerful word for, for all of us, but especially for women, because you play such a critical and special role in all of our lives, right? In everyone's life, these little people and husband's role and uh, the, the, the society and the community on, in general. Moms, women, play such a key role in all of our lives. It's so important that, that we live according to God's way. And the world would, would want you to do something else. So we kind of know that right off the bat. The world is pulling you in a totally different direction as a woman. Okay, But God has a plan for you, and it's a powerful plan. And so Peter's going to say to us, you preach your silent sermon. Now look what he says, verses 1 to 6. Let's read it. Wives, and we're going to dig into this. In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, 
Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold and jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a giant, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And then verse 7 is about husbands. Such a powerful passage of scripture right here. And the whole idea of it, and we could probably come up with several titles for a message out of these verses. But I'm, I'm thinking that the most powerful thing in life, and sometimes, we, and we all understand this, is when you just say nothing. You know what I mean? Sometimes we get talking and we say more than we should say, right? <laughs> and we wish we could take some words back. Or sometimes somebody confronts us and we lash out when what we should do is just like be quiet. Right? So often, all of us, not just women, but all of us as people, we, we're so quick to speak when what we should do is be more quick to be quiet, to listen. I'm guilty of it as well. Francis of Assisi said this, Preach the gospel. Are you laughing at that chair? Preach the gospel every day and when necessary, use words. Isn't that good? I mean, that's true. And there's so many sayings out there about this kind of thing, like silence is golden, right? How many times have you said that to your kid? <laughs> silence is good. Like on a long trip somewhere, right? <laughs> uh, there's other things like, you know, you, you, I say this to our, our ball players all the time. You have two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> right? We all say that to your kids sometimes. You got two ears, one mouth. Let's use that in proportion correctly. Uh, silence is the source of great strength, somebody said. Somebody once said, let your, let your um, game speak for itself, right? Got all these athletes out there just blabbing how great they are. Just, just let your game do the talking, right? Right, Kaylin, right? Let your game do the talking. Right. Bring home the championship. <laughs> how about this? Um, never miss a good chance to be quiet. Right. That's good, right? My mom used to say this growing up in an Italian uh, family. She used to speak to my dad in Italian when she didn't want us to know what she was saying. She would say, Stata zita buda tu. And we would go like, what is that all about? She said, just stata zita buda tu. And usually we knew what that meant. After a while you realize she was saying, just shut your face, right? That's what that means. <laughs> shut your face and be quiet. Stata zita buda tu. And very powerful word in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Right? She didn't say a word. She just, she just soaked it in and listened, you know, and just took it in. How powerful is that? And Peter has a powerful word for us like that, wives specifically in this passage, but this is true for all of us. This is so true for all of us. Uh, when my son, you know, we got four kids, when my son got to be like a junior in high school, oh, he got difficult. You know, raising daughters, I think, is easy. I think. I just personal experience, I have three daughters, all older. All doing great. But my kid, my son, man, I want to wring his neck. I don't know how many times. You know, he got to that point where he would, you know, he knew everything. He knew it all. My girls never really did that. They all kind of listened. They at least listened. They knew enough just to listen. But my son, he would get mouthy, and he thought he knew everything from, you know, how to cut the grass to how to run the weed eater, you know, just everything, everything. And so at some point, I finally just said, you know what, I, I got to just be quiet. 
And I would write these letters on my hand, S-U-L-O. And it was a reminder to me to just shut up and live it out. I had to just remind myself there came a time where I just, my words weren't going to do any good. It just created conflict. So I just said, I'm going to just be quiet and live it. And, and, I, and I pray to God that that would have an impact in his heart. And um, there, there's that moment in life where we have to realize that sometimes it's better to just be quiet, right, and say nothing. And silence is powerful. So let's dig into this. Ch uh, verse 1 is such a powerful verse. He says some things Peter does to women, to wives that are so important. And if you're not a mom right now or you're not a wife right now, you're younger, this is really important for you to get this straight in your mind as a, as a young lady, how God wants you to be as you grow, as you become a woman, and as you one day maybe get married and one day have kids and, and get celebrated on Mom's Day, that kind of thing. Okay? So he says, wives, look at this, in the same way, verse 1, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wife. So this verse sets up what, what we're talking about here today. And he says these words in the same way. So we've seen these words before. In the same way, you might say, as what? In the same way as what? And this is kind of a theme of Peter's throughout this book so far. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, Submit yourselves uh, for the Lord's sake to every human authority. So if you go back, Peter sets the, the theme up by saying, you submit, all of us, submit yourself to the Lord's sake, to every human authority. To slaves, he says in chapter 2, verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, you submit yourselves to your masters. And in chapter 2, 21 to 25, Jesus left us an example of submission to his Father when it said it is he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And Jesus submitted himself to the cross for you and for me. So this idea of, of in the same way is this theme that, that Peter is writing about for everyone. He's just going to happen to hit on, on wives right now. In chapter 3, verse 7, we saw last week, he says, husbands, in the same way. In the same way. So when Peter says, wives, in the same way, in the same way that we submit to presidents or authorities or governors or princesses or, or anyone, you submit to your husband in the same way. Right? in the same way that we submit to each other. It's all good because you're not alone here, right? He's not saying you submit and no one else has to. He's basically saying like what the three musketeers say, all for one and one for all, right? We're all in this together. We are all supposed to submit to one another for the Lord's sake, whether it's a president or your wife or your husband or an authority or whatever it may be, we willingly submit. And the action to be followed in the same way that we are called to is this, to submit yourself, okay? Not that somebody has to force you to submit yourself, but that you willingly, voluntarily submit yourself to your husband. The word simply means to fall under his leadership, right? To fall under his leadership, to live out, get this, to live out your role as a woman as he's trying to figure out, living out his role as a man. Right? That's because that's what he's doing, right? He's trying to figure it out just like you're trying to figure it out. But you can't control him. Don't go into the relationship thinking you're going to change him, right? Does that work? 
Never. Allow <laughs> no. It is not going to work. You can't go into it thinking that. You are not going to change the other person. All you can do is be who God called you to be, right? And let God work on them. You pray your heart out for them, that's for sure. And you set an example of what Christ means in your life, and you pray that they'll get it, and they'll live out their role in Christ, right? And when, when these things are working, when, a, when, when the wife is submitting to their husband, and the husband is submitting to God, it's a beautiful thing. So, so the ideal is perfect, right? The ideal is perfect, is that the man submits himself to God and he loves his wife like Christ loved the church and he's willing to die for her. And so she becomes like a queen. Her treatment is, is like greater than anything else out there. Like he loves her with everything in him and he's willing to die for her. What woman wouldn't want to be in that? See, that's God's plan, but the world has taken this in a different direction. God's design from the time of Adam has always been these roles that God has given us. And if you fight it like the world is fighting it, you will find yourself not fighting against man, but you'll find yourself fighting against God. Right? You'll be fighting God, and, and that's a losing battle for anyone, for any of us. right? And, and this is really uh, critical because... Peter is writing here to, to uh, marriages that are not equally yoked, right? This Christian faith has just come into uh, play, and this new covenant has just been established. And this is a first century Christian uh, living people, and some of them are believers and some of them not. They've already been in this marital role. And so Peter's saying, if you're married to a man who isn't a believer, you stay right there and you fight through it and you represent Jesus you be who God has called you to be. Submitting isn't about chains and bondage. It's really about personal discipline, right? This is about personal discipline for yourself, like you and God, God just making you stronger within yourself, in your inner being. Personal discipline, self-control, and ultimately power. I mean, there's a lot of power in a person, especially a woman, who submits herself wholeheartedly to God. You won't stop her. Nobody will stop her. Nothing will stop her. God has a purpose, and he always does for these things. And sometimes we listen to what God has to say, and we're not really cool with that because we live in a generation of people who, who would rather do it a different way, right? We live in a world where people want to, we want to call the shots. We want to establish our own order. We want to establish our own law. We want to establish the, our own way of how I'm going to live my life. And we want to take the reins away from God and we want to hold them ourselves. That's natural for us, right? We want to do that. But if we will do it God's way, it will be perfect. And he always has a purpose. He has a goal. Look at the goal here in these verses. Verse 1. The goal is this, that if they are lost, right, if they are unbelievers... They might be won over. Right, that's the goal. The goal is that if you're in a relationship and you're, you're married now and, and you became a Christian and he's not, the goal of you submitting to your unbelieving husband is that he would be won over, meaning that your quiet and gentle love, your silent sermon, will melt his heart and Jesus will be glorified. See, and that's not an overnight thing, is it? That's a lifetime process of, of God working through one person, slowly impacting another person. And it takes time. It takes lots of time. The goal 
is, Peter says, their salvation, right? Their eternal soul. That's huge, right? That's greater than anything on the planet. It's their soul. But the price, the price that must be paid is, first of all, Jesus and what he did for us, right? The example that he left us. But it's also your sacrifice and your submission, right? Your willingness to obey God, even though it costs you dearly. It's just like Jesus, right? This is, he's calling women, he's calling wives, he's calling all of us to be just like he is, right? To do things just like he did. To be a true reflection of him in this world, in a real-life situation, in real relationships. The great challenge is this, the sermon of your life, right? All of us live every day and we're preaching a sermon. Not with our words, right, but with our actions, right? Everything we do, the way we get involved, what we get involved with, where we go, who we talk to, what we say, how we live in front of our kids, how we treat our relatives and our in-laws, you know, all those things are our sermon. We are, we are preaching a sermon by our actions and our behavior. And he says, you preach yours without words. You preach without words that they may be won over, he says very clearly, without words. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because we want the other person to get it now. <laughs> we don't want them to get it next month. We want them to get what we're saying now. And so we're going to throw in a whole bunch of words to make sure they get it, right? How many times have you done that? Right? You're just going to make sure they understand what I'm talking about, right? We all want to be understood. We all want to be clear, right? We want you to reiterate what I just said so I know you got it, girl, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what we want. We want to do that. But Peter's saying, stata zita buratu. <laughs> just live it right just live it out live it out and this is a true example it's for all of us right this is uh this is what we all surrendered to christ about right because when we gave our lives to him we said we are yours we submitted ourselves to God long ago when we gave our life to Christ, right? Colossians says we put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. That means I'm living in faith in Jesus. I am his. He's mine. I'm not living for myself anymore. Ephesians says you put on a new self. Uh, you put on a new self controlled by Jesus, right? In Galatians it says live by the spirit. What spirit? The spirit of Jesus, not of me. Romans says your body is God's temple. Right? He dwells in you. You're not your own. Right? So we submitted to God long ago. Now he wants us to use us to submit to everything around us and everyone around us in order to win as many as possible. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says this. Look at it. It says, Though I am free, uh, free of obligation to anyone, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. See, that's the purpose, that's the goal, is that God wants us to be tools in his hand, willing to do whatever he says to do. Not talk back to God, not say, I know what you said, God, but I'm going to do it my way, but to completely surrender and submit to his way. Submit. It's a tough thing to do, isn't it? But it's God's call. The goal of a silent sermon is real simple. The goal of a silent sermon is to win souls. You know, and we, live, we definitely live in a world that doesn't want to hear what we got to say anymore. They, they're looking for real life living. They want to see Jesus in us, not hear about him. We've talked about him too long. We wear, we've worn the bumper stickers and the t-shirts too long. They mean nothing anymore. 
The cross is on your neck. It means nothing anymore to anybody. Anybody can get one of those. Not even Christians have those. Right? They're wearing them all over the, you know, the media. They want to see it. Verse 2, he says this. When they, and there's the word, see the purity and the reverence of your lives, right? So the testimony is your godly life. The testimony is your behavior, how you live your life, how you submit yourself to God first and how you submit yourself to authorities around you and how you submit yourself to your husband. Not push back, not women's lib, not I gotta get mine, not nag until you get your way. That's not what Peter's calling us to. But purity and reverence that honors God. Wow, that's a powerful thing, right? That's a powerful thing. It takes longer to get results, but the results are better. Right? You might get results by nagging, but they're not going to be good results. It's going to cause tension and friction, and the relationship is not going to be healthy. See, the world has all kinds of ideas about glamour and about beauty, doesn't it? I mean, the world's got it all. I mean, the world will tell you all about what, what's pretty. Miss America, Miss World, Miss November, Miss no Victoria's Secret. You know what I'm saying. All the world has for you is this is how you should look. This is what you should be. And everyone needs to strive for this kind of look. And it's very easy for all of us, especially our young girls, to get sucked into the glitter and the dazzle of worldliness and fleshly living. Very easy to get sucked in, right? All of us. I'm not just talking about girls. I'm talking about every one of us. It's easy to be drawn into the flesh. His flesh is so weak. And Peter says, let me tell you the truth about what beauty is and what beauty is not. Look what he said in verse 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Does that mean you shouldn't look good? No. But he's saying, don't decorate yourself like a Christmas tree, okay? Don't, don't treat your body like it's some sex symbol that you're going to flaunt in front of the world. And this is a problem in our world. And, 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 you know, it is, it is. And it's not just women. It's guys, too. It's on both sides. You know, it's everybody. We've bought into this idea that to be valued, you have to look a certain way, Right? And it's, it's hard, it's tough, and it's tough on everyone, right? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a trick, it's a trap. It's, it's the evil one using people to cause others to stumble, right? It's tough. And such as, he says, his elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold and jewelry or, or fine clothes. Okay, it's a trap. It is. When adults, when we as adults, older people, do this kind of thing, this, this body transformation stuff, what we're doing is we're sending a message to our kids. We're telling our family and our kids, little people are watching us, and what that does is it sets them up for disaster because then they live a confused life thinking that all my value and my importance is all based on how I look when I walk out the door. Instead of that inner beauty that, that God wants, we teach by our actions that the outward is far more important than the inward. Right? And we all need to be careful about that. So don't be so quick to hide your imperfections. Right? We all have them. Any perfect people in the room? Put your hand up. Okay. All right. So obviously, no, there's not. We're all imperfect. We all got issues. We all got problems. We all don't look right. It's okay. Embrace it. Right? Embrace it. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. So... Be who you are, right? Be who you are in Christ. Don't be so quick to hide your imperfections. Embrace 
who God has made and live by faith. Live, live by faith. Right? Let the inner beauty in you come out. Let the God who is in you working come out. Let Jesus in you be what people see. And stop trying to cover it up with other things, right? With out, outward things. So we're, it's, like, it's like we're trying to deflect who we really are by, by doing things that get their attention somewhere else. Rather, he says in verse 4, so don't do that. Rather, your beauty, it, your beauty, should be that of your inner self, right? Why? That's the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Isn't that awesome? I mean, isn't that what we really want? I mean, you think about it. Would you rather have like all this outward stuff going on with no meaning and no depth? Or would you rather have in your heart and in your life the depth of God growing in you? I mean, seriously, that's really what we all want. The problem is the world is so pushy. They want you to, to be perfect now and to look good right now and, and, and not take the time that it takes to let Christ build himself up in you. Rather, your beauty should be that of your inner self. So ladies and young girls among us, the world is messed up. I told my girls this growing up. Don't as much as you'd like to look to guys for, for your affirmation and for all your approval, guys are broken too. You're probably not going to get what you need there. You're going to get so much, but, but, but we, do a, we all do a poor job of it. We're looking for affirmation and a pat on the back from people around us, but people can only take us so far. Your spouse will never give you all that you need. They'll give you part of what you need. But they won't give you all of it. So what we do is we look to the Lord for our value. And we look to the Lord for our approval. And we place our hope in God. All of us. That's what we do, right? And if you get a pat on the back or a little love from somebody, that's a little bit of gravy on the side. But don't look for your fulfillment. Only God can fulfill that void that's missing in you. You know, that sense of I need someone to, to love me. Well, Jesus does love you. He does love you more than you will ever know. Nobody will ever love you like he does. And if you get some attention from, or love from your husband or from your wife, that's, that's extra. We're all trying to figure this out. In verse 5, in verse five uh, he, he says this, For this is the way that the holy women of the past who put their hope in God... Right? That's the key, right? These holy women of the past that we look to as holy women of the past, they put their hope in God. That's how they used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Notice a couple things that he says in these two verses. He says, he says called him Lord. That's a little odd because... Because there's one Lord, right? We know who the Lord is. Lord Jesus, he's the Lord. Well, this is little L, Lord. Like, this is a sign of respect. This is a sign of, I understand my role, and I understand your role, and I'm going to fall in line with mine, and you, I hope, will fall in line with yours, and you're my Lord, you're my husband, you're the leader, you're the authority. That's the way God designed it. And I'm just going to live what God designed. I'm not going to fight God on it. It's not based on how he treats you either. It's not based on how good your husband might be or how perfect he is or how well he treats you. It's not based on that. 
But it's based on the fact that God made Adam, and he gave Adam a role, and Eve was his helper. And that's as simple as it is. That's it. To whatever the world is saying, don't believe it. Go back to the word. It's a simple order of role. And then he says also, uh, you are her daughters, right? He says, you are her daughter, Sarah's daughter. You are like her. You will be like Sarah, who was commended by God, right? If you do this, if you do, look what he says, if you do what is right, right? If you do it God's way, that's what's right. That's the right way. He says, this is how we do good, right? We be the wife God's way. And you honor God and you live your life for God. Nobody else, you just live for God and do what God says and you're good. That's all I got to do. And then he says these words, don't give way to fear. Don't give way to fear. Do you see that in the end of that verse? You are her daughters if you do what is right and you do not give way to fear. Means don't be, don't be shaken. Don't be shaken by whatever happens in the world. Don't be shaken by the, the loud voices of the world saying that you need to look like this, or you need to be like this, or you need to have this. Don't let that shake you. He says, means don't be alarmed by anything. Not even a husband who doesn't believe and maybe mistreats you. Don't be alarmed. Don't be shaken by that. You put your trust in God. That's where you keep your trust, right there. Don't be alarmed of sudden fear if it comes your way by a man who doesn't love God or doesn't know God or doesn't follow God. You, you still be that silent sermon example to the world around you. And even in the midst of pain and suffering, just like Jesus, right? Just like Jesus. He says, you trust God like Sarah did. Basically, he's saying to us, don't fear fear. Don't fear fear. Okay, don't be afraid of anything. See, if you do this, if we'll do this, if husbands will do what they're supposed to do and wives will do what they're supposed to do, then nobody will ever let you down. God will never let you down. You will find yourself perfectly at the center of his will. And that's the best place to be, right? That's the best place to be.